1: hello this is david gedge from the wedding present and you're listening to the pantheon podcast network Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo and welcome to season five, episode 42 of Music is Not a Genre MXG. Thank you as always for watching and listening. Please support this podcast. It desperately needs your support at patreon.com slash at music is not a genre. You can try it out free for a week. See, if you like it, if you do, stay signed on. It's it's as easy as that, and you get a lot of free and exclusive content, I should say. Please also go to youtube.com slash at music is not a genre. If you are just a listener, YouTube is where all of these videos are, and every single episode has a video. Uh, For example, what you're missing now, if you're just listening, is my lovely uh, McCartney-esque outfit uh, and a little diorama there of some CDs. So, you know, fun. and my Face. And that's what you get. You also get about 600 videos of one sort or another live music, recorded music, so many other things at different parts of my career. And I wish you would subscribe there at YouTube and like and share and all that stuff. I curate it. I have playlists there that I can't do on the streaming services. So I have one for Death is Dumb, one for the Beatles, one for uh, the thought pieces that I do, just everything, one for all of the featured songs and all of these episodes just every so many different playlists i think you'll enjoy it there please also go to nick and explore all of it that's everything i do is on that website i just recently redesigned so it's really easy to use the second on the menu bar there after a home and about and all is uh shop and i have not just a t-shirt store anymore but i'm selling mugs to 28 t-shirt designs and six and mugs and counting there will be more mugs uh soon Uh, And if you use the code SUMMER2320, SUMMER2320, you get 20% off anything through the end of summer in this summer 2023 that I'm talking about. But it's SUMMER2320. Ah, just go there. You'll you'll figure it all out. You get to see and hear everything I do on that site. And please also listen to and support my band, Rec, R-E-C, at recarea.bandcamp.com. Let's get right to it. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, The Beatles series uh, that I was doing was supposed to be six episodes and I realized in prepping and then doing the sixth episode, there was way too much information. So I've decided to expand it and this would be episode number seven, but there will be more. There will be at least an eighth, maybe even more than that. That that playlist on YouTube is going to have about a dozen uh, videos based on the Beatles because I've done some uh, Beatles episodes before I even started this series. And this one, this week, it's called The Beatles Part 7, McCartney 7, and that's Roman numeral 7, whatever. If you look at the graphic for this, you'll see that I took the die from the cover of a couple of his recent albums, and which had three for McCartney 3, and I added pips to it to make it 7 just for fun, and because I like graphic design and messing with people, and there's a reason for that. Well, this is one of those cases where things just converged in a way that it was meant to be. And that is, first of all, this is the seventh episode of the Beatles series, so seven. It's episode 42 of the season, so seven times six is 42. And also, McCartney, in one way or another, has charted hits uh, somewhere in the world in seven different decades. Yes, including the 2020s, from the 60s to the 2020s. He's been active, of course, for eight decades in professionally in music, but he's charted in seven of those decades. Absolutely incredible. I'm not sure anybody else has done that. I, I defy any of you to find some other single artist or band that is charted in seven different decades. And that's where the seven comes from. So, you know, in, in, enjoy that. I also had a different title that had all these words that start with the letter m mccartney's massive blah 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 because i've been doing that with the beatles episodes and it was it was too wordy it didn't fit in the card and uh it was it was just clunky and i just this this worked out perfectly so jumping right in this is what it's going to be as you know i try to focus more on the music than anything else so this isn't going to be a lot about personal life and all of that crap there might be some things about band relations and and whatever if it somehow relates to the music or deaths and, and such. And what I'm going to do is go through his almost entire discography. Uh, I, I did a, a an informal count, and though there were, I believe, 26 uh, albums as far as original material, whatever, of one form or another for uh, Wings and McCartney, if you expand it to his side projects, the electronic projects, the classical projects, a couple of other things, you find that he's had at least 38 proper albums. And I. this doesn't count greatest hits. This doesn't count live albums, because I don't really deal in live albums unless there's something significant on there. And I will mention one of them here. That's a lot. It's not as many as let's say, I don't know, I think Dylan's had more. I think there's so many other people who have had more, but that's that's significant in terms of output, but also in terms of the Beatles, because no other Beatle, including Ringo, still at it, has been as consistent in releasing material as McCartney has. He and he, he has no one else has been as consistent as finding the desire to and then executing new material in new ways and not just uh, retreading on nostalgia and all of that. And I'm going to be talking a little bit about that as I go through this. And let's just jump right into it because I have no idea how long this is going to take. So let's, you know, I'm warning you right now. This goes from 1967 to 2023. So sit tight or put this on. If you're listening, put it on like 1.2 or it's what I do. And I have a friend who actually uh, listens to podcasts at 2.0 speed, twice the speed, which I can barely understand it. We've done 1.5 and that works. That's okay. You don't get all the nuance, but you get the information. I prefer 1.2 because there's still the humanity there, but it speeds along. I I, I find uh, most podcasts, the pace is a little bit too slow. So that's my suggestion. Or 1.0 if you just can't get enough of my my voice. So why do I say 1967? Because technically... McCartney was the first Beatle to release an album of original material uh, solo while still in the Beatles. It was the soundtrack to the film The Family Way, which was all instrumental. Uh, he created, He wrote all of the songs. George Martin arranged all of the songs. I'm not sure there was any actual performance from him on there, but he was the writer of it. And that's why I'm counting this as a a solo release so really was the actual first Beatles solo album 1967 look up the family way movie and you'll hear some of that and I will say off the bat that although I have listened to every single uh primary disc primary album from Wings and McCartney and some of the side projects I haven't listened to everything and I will mention spots where I haven't listened but I know enough about it to give you a sense so first off is an album that my dad has on vinyl that I have right here on CD, and it's McCartney. It's his first solo album in 1970. I love this album. It it got kind of a bad hit when it came out because the critics were like, "Well, th- he was barely trying, this is underproduced, and, and he has half songs on there and all of that. But when you think about the fact that the, the, one of the biggest superstars in the world comes out of a band that just broke up and everybody's reeling from that. The first statement is, this is me. This is me in my home doing music that I love to do. I'm not going to try to blow you away with my skill. I don't need to. Why should I? I find that it, it, it's bold and that the underproduced kind of lo-fi nature of it is what makes it great. And we're going to hear lo-fi a few more times throughout this episode. To me, it's like an anti-coming-out statement, and it's brilliant because it took the pressure off of him recreating the Beatles' magic and success right away. It was almost like, I'm going to lower expectations, but I'm going to do it in a way that's way more artistic and, and deliberate than you realize. And, of course, some of these are holdovers from uh, writing he did during the Beatles. They had to be. You know, He released this so quickly after they broke up. He was the first out of the gate which caused some controversy, etc. But you probably know that. And if you don't, look it up. It's not something I'm talking about here. Tracks are the lovely Linda. That would be something is one I really enjoy. Valentine Day, every night. Love that song. Hottest Sunglasses is sort of this experimental lo-fi instrumental, which I absolutely love. Junk is a fun song. Man, We Was Lonely it was just so of the times, that kind of backwoods stripped down sound like the band, uh, ooh you is a nice blues thing mama miss america teddy boy which we know from get back and, and even prior to that i think the anthology that he wrote that while he was in the beatles uh along with the other sing-along junk was a reprise maybe i'm amazed is the one that everybody's like that may be his best solo song and i mean it's probably at least in the top five for sure and then krina which was another kind of quasi-instrumental quasi-experimental showing that he had and he gave himself all the freedom that he wanted which is something the Beatles always did anyway. But when you think about the pressure of, oh my God, what am I going to do? I don't have my mates around me. Uh, I need to step up. And it's like, nah, I'm just going to do this.
0: Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them.
1: Released a single shortly after that, uh, Another Day, B-Side, O Woman, O Y. Excellent. Both songs are excellent for different reasons. And Another Day was a great first single to, to kick it, which because Maybe I'm Amazed was not released as a single at this time. You get in 1971 the next uh, solo, although listed with Linda McCartney, Ram, which a lot of people say is his best. And yes, this is a top fave of mine. And yes, I'd probably put it in in the top five of his best post-Beatles albums. I don't know if I would say it's his best best though, and and you'll see as I go through why I say that. It's been said that this is proto Britpop, proto Jangle Pop. There's even country rock in there, and it's also proto Wings, as it wasn't just Paul doing everything. There were musicians on there, unlike his first album here that he had uh, contributing, and it was him getting back to work, you know, like, I'm going to craft something a little bit more, but still allow myself the loose inventiveness that I had on the first album. I'm going to let that poke through. It's honestly, I I, I had said it was amazing, but it's actually not that surprising that so many critics just continually panned everything he put out up until Man on the Run. And even that has, you know, it wasn't like rave reviews across the board. Partly the pressure, partly it was a backlash. And partly it's critics are constantly looking for ways to tear things and people down. This, in retrospect, has been seen, like I said, in one of his best albums. And uh, I love the sound of this album. I love the, it's a, there's a dryness to it, but an openness to it. Too Many People is one of my all-time favorite songs of anybody, but especially of McCartney. Uh, There's three legs. Ram On, great song. Dear Boy, great. Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey. I mean, you know, some Beatles-type stuff in there and the arrangement. I think George Martin helped with that, maybe. But I just, I mean, what a great song, right? That was him saying, I still do what I do. Smile Away, Heart of the Country, really good song. Monkberry Moon Delight, a lot of people like. Eat at Home, I like that song a lot, Long-Haired Lady, Ram on, and the back seat of my car, another great song, which brings me to a wildlife, which is the first wings album nineteen seventy one anybody I'm sure people have commented this, but there were two Denny's in uh the band, and one of them was Denny Lane, you know, which I'm sure they must have joked about a lot, considering it sounds just like Penny Lane. You can hear the bandness of the music on this album in contrast to the previous two. But you can also hear that they were really searching for what Wings was going to be. There really wasn't a definition at this point. It it was deliberately laid back and loose to to allow for that searching. And it's probably why there were no singles that came out of this. But, you know, cool nonetheless that it's like, I'm going to openly search for this and I'm going to sell it. You're going to listen to it, right? Uh, Mumbo, Bip Bop, a uh, song I like, Love is Strange, Wildlife, Some People Never Know, which is like super indie pop, super indie pop, which, by the way, Love is Strange, real weird, and in a nice way, in a really cool way. Uh, I Am Your Singer, Bip Bop Link, Tomorrow, Dear Friend, was supposed to be an answer to How Do You Sleep. I like that so- uh, song, and Mumbo Link. I'm not going to go into all, oh, the back and forth Oh, you know, Lennon writes How Do You Sleep, and he writes Too Many People. He writes Dear Friend as a a kind of palliative, whatever. The one thing they have said, and that any singer-songwriter, any songwriter will tell you, is that as personal as a song is, it's also just a song, and it's also, uh, you know, extracted enough that it's not a one-to-one relation to the thing that you're singing about there's always something else in there that gives it a bit of a more universal touch you know 99.9 percent of the time non-album singles the following year in 72 give Ireland back to the Irish it was I believe some type of hit but it's one of a handful of examples of why Paul has never been the best at writing protest songs uh, good good on him for the subject but there's, there's always been a bit of a, I don't know. This, and, and that continues through his career. Uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb and Little Woman Love just proved, he's like, I'm going to go ahead and just release Mary Had a Little Lamb as a single, my version of it. And, and yes, it's going to chart. I mean, again, bold. Hi, Hi, Hi and C Moon, great songs for different reasons. Hi, Hi is a fun song, blues rock. And C Moon has that reggae and he'd return to that kind of reggae. And Island Sound, often. In his career, the following year, before the next Wings album came out, he wrote uh, Live and Let Die for the Bond movie. One of the best Bond themes, I think. And we know, you know, Guns N' Roses did it. And there's been so many other people who have redid it. Just a great song. And uh, an intricate song. More intricate than you think, the way the rhythm breaks down, changes time signature, etc. And just a lot of the harmonic stuff that goes on in there. Red Rose Speedway was the next Wings album in 73, and it was closer to finding the Wings sound, but it still wasn't quite there. It was more sure, assured, and still very much in that early 70s country rock vein, but there were more harmonies, there were more orchestral flourishes. Uh, it was a bit more straightforward, less experimental, not but not too restrained, which you'll find throughout his career. There was nothing he ever did that was too restrained. Big Barn Bed, My Love, the big single, and Get On The Right Thing, great, three great op- you know opening songs. One more kiss, little lamb, dragonfly, single pigeon, when the night loop, first Indian on the moon, medley, uh, with eleven minute medley of hold me tight, lazy dynamite, hands of love, and power cut, compelling, and really kind of prefacing in the way my love did, prefacing that mid seventy sound that he would usher in, and it would you know grow into. Uh, following a Helen Wheels was a single that came out, a little play on words. Uh, It was on Band on the Run in the U.S., but not in the U.K., so that's why I say it's a non-album single. It's a good song. It's on uh, one of the compilations that I have here, which brings me to the next one, Band on the Run. I have this expanded edition with awesome booklet and awesome uh, photos and all this stuff. Just a really great package. One of the reasons why I miss buying CDs and very worth it. This is the first Great Wings album. And one of the probably best uh, McCartney, post-Beatles albums by, by McCartney. And it's also the last album that McCartney released on the Apple label. Uh, it was the first critical hit of its time, even though Ram and others would be seen as, as good in his first album. Uh, it was probably a step forward because Denny Sewell and Henry McCullough left. And I, I don't there's nothing against them, but it was just maybe not a good fit and it also compelled uh, McCartney to step it up and say, well, I've got new people. I'm going to, you know, really pump this out. And it, it, this album, I think, is the album that likely prevented him from being relegated to a former star and a somewhat successful 70s musician. When this album came out, it kind of sealed the deal that he wasn't going anywhere, at least album-wise. And there are no weak tracks. And it's it's incredibly diverse, uh, again, in fact, the only tracks that I haven't listed as a favorite are No Words and uh, Picasso's Last Words, although that's a very interesting song because I was always a Picasso fan and he had just recently died and, you know, that's why that song was written. Let Me Roll It" as one of my top favorites and Jet Man and Ban on the Run, of course. And even 1985, really fun song. Non-album singles the following year, Junior's Farm, absolutely freaking love this. Absolutely love that song. Uh, sounds more like um, like a Steve Miller song in a way, uh, which he where he's worked with Steve Miller throughout the years. Walking in the park with Eloise, then nineteen seventy five, Venus and Mars, the next Wings album. When I did my chronography, look it up; it's a word now of McCartney's solo work. This was probably the most surprising Wings album for me because I didn't know it well, and when I listened to it, I was like damn, this is a really good album. It's really in their solid period. It has a bit of an Abbey Road sequence to it because their songs are connected in, in most of them at least. And it established that Wings wasn't just one good album and has a very New Orleans vibe because that's where they recorded a lot of it uh venus and mars and rock show love you gave me the answer magneto and titanium man surprised me when i first heard that he wrote a song about them letting go call me back again and then listen to what the man said what a great single again a bunch of other songs on there you can look up the sequence wings at the speed of sound to me was the last of the trilogy of incredible wings albums there's a bit more collaboration on here he really wanted to make give it that band feel. He was really trying hard to do that. Uh, but other than the singles, there's not too much to me that's memorable, even though it's a super solid album all the way through. Let Him Let In is abs- one of my top favorite singles from McCartney. And I uh, did a cover of this with my old band, Ape Cafe, which we killed on stage. I wish we had recorded it. Uh, She's My Baby. Silly Love Songs. Love it. Hate it. It's bold. It's also Resigned. Uh, it's stepping into kind of late 70s and the way it was arranged, you know, has a bit of an almost disco feel to it. And it was a statement. And at the same time, you are like, do I agree with the statement or not? I'm not sure, but still very compelling, very interesting song, warm and beautiful, something I also like. The only live album I'm really going to list here is Wings Over America from the same year, 76. It's a triple album. First time Maybe I'm Amazed was released as a single and it did chart. And it was a statement for me, that he was the only former Beatle in that era, post-75, doing anything dynamic and significant and chart-worthy and amazing, like still performing live and all of that. It was a good mix of McCartney songs, Uh, the first time he put any Beatles covers uh, on record and uh, other cover tunes. So worth listening to. You tell me, I've never listened to it. Like I said, I'm not really a live album person. Uh, Some non-album singles the following year in 77, Seaside Woman, which was a song Linda recorded and wrote uh, 1972, reggae-ish, interesting, of Kintyre, one of his best, sounds like a folk song, which I tried to do with Move Ahead Long Boy. That's why I say that's sort of Beatles inspired. It's one of the best-selling UK singles of all time. I don't think it's number one anymore, but I'm pretty sure it's still in the top three. And Girl School, uh good B side. Like I said, I'm not just sticking with Wings and McCartney. There was an album he put out in seventy seven called Thrillington under the pseudonym Percy Thrills Thrillington, which was an instrumental cover of Ram. And it's significant because again, like in the The Family Way from sixty seven, it shows he had more than a passing interest in non McCartney type music, which he has continued through to this day, through to this day. He didn't say, well, I'm this kind of a singer-songwriter. I'm, I record this kind of music. I'm only sticking to that. Never, never. His music is not a genre. London Town in 78 was the next Wings album, and you feel like, based on the cover and the time, time it was in, you, that it should have been great. And, you know, it, it wasn't great. Critics killed it, but it was better than we might remember. There's some, There's some folk... There's some progressive stuff. It always manages to have at least one good single, McCartney, whether it was Wings or his solo or whatever, always has at least one good single, which in this case was With a Little Luck, uh, and had that had kind of an electro uh, tinge to it, which he'd get more into later on in a couple of years. Uh, and it's, it established to me many of the patterns that he would follow as a creator, as an album creator in particular, on uh, his subsequent releases and the way he explores different styles and and uh, lets electronics in and has, you know, organic and has stripped down acoustic stuff. London Town, a uh, good song. Cufflink, to me, it, looking forward to McCartney too. It had that kind of in, electro-ish instrumental uh, feel to it, which was surprising to me because I didn't know the album that well. Girlfriend was a song written for Michael Jackson, but he's decided to just do it on this album and then Quincy Jones heard it without knowing it and said, "This would be a great album for a song for your next album, uh, which would be Off the Wall." And it's like, I wrote that for my for Michael, and Michael did record it on that album. It's and it's probably a better version than McCartney's Girlfriend because it was written expressly, you know, it was meant to be sung by Michael Jackson, and not the last time they would work together, as you probably know non-album single the following year in 1979 is good night tonight which is not a song i knew at the time for whatever reason but i think it's awesome because it again shows that he was leaving behind the 70s kind of crunchy rock template and going into more electronic stuff going into disco and as i said recently and i will say it more than again and again i like when Artists of that time jump into disco primarily because it usually doesn't go well and it's kind of kitschy. But when it does go well, you get some really good stuff like that song, Night Tonight." Final Wings album that year, "Back to the Egg," was attempt to, to an attempt to reignite the live band thing again. Not as bad as it was, you know. Uh, cr- criticized as being, it's stronger than "London Town" to me in many ways. Not the greatest, you know, but still stronger. And I love the production values because, as I've said a million times, 78 to 82 is sort of a sweet spot for me for production, as is, I want to say, like the early 2000s, probably. Uh, reception is this funky, cool instrumental. Getting Closer, good song. Spin on it, Arrow Through Me. Really good R&B. Love that song. Uh, the Rockister theme, it was an all-star band performance, which included David Gilmore, someone he'd work with again and again, Pete Townsend, John Bonham, and John Paul Jones, and many, many, many more people. Uh, I love the song, To You. I really like that. And So Glad to See You Here is basically a glam song. And this is a song that you will hear this time and again in his catalog. Shows that he is and has always been an artist who actually listens to what's going on at the time. He doesn't create in a vacuum of his own stench, you know, which... Can result in some great music from some great artists if they're, you know, if that's the type of music that they do well. But to me, as soon as an artist loses touch with what's going on in the present day, they lose some, some significance and some value. And he's never done that. The non album single, 1979, Wonderful Christmas Time. You know, again, love it, hate it. One of the most popular Christmas songs uh, ever in history. And it's better than we remember it and more intricate than we remember it. If you listen to the non-single version, it's been covered a lot by some interesting people. It's the polar opposite of happy Christmas War is over and they're both good, but that's just the way kind of the you know they've always been and it was his way of saying, let's just do a happy Christmas song. And yeah, if you hear too much you might get to you, but still worthy. which brings me to McCartney. Well, let, let me say this real quick. I have wingspan which is a great place to start if you don't know a lot about Wings. It's a great, I think, two-disc collection or whatever. Stream it. But look up Wingspan. Good place to start for Wings. Then Wings is done, even though they hadn't officially broken up. They were going to try something uh, in the early 80s, which became a couple of subsequent albums of his solo career. We get to McCartney, too, in 1980, which was his reinvention. It was his going back to doing an album all by himself, His kind of introspective kind of like, where am I? What am I doing? How do I want to change? The last couple of Wings albums weren't huge hits. Where do I want to go? What different place do I want to go? And what a way to make a statement about the new decade. was in a way, prefaced a lot of the uh, electro-pop that the 80s would have it was it was a forerunner in a way that uh some of bowie's late 70s work was a forerunner and and, the, and scary monsters a forerunner to the electro pop and peter gabriel and all that he was right on the on the cutting edge of all of this and it wasn't very well received but now it's considered one of his best it was a, a precursor to loaf lo-fi but lo-fi in the chill wave kind of definition and not in the you know garage you know not great production values or both uh, bedroom pop self-produced like we all do now with our DAWs, digital audio workstations. And even though it wasn't critically well-received, now we even get this Bot mitzvah girl that we played for a couple of months ago requesting the song Temporary Secretary, which is one of my all-time favorite McCartney singles. Someone who Must know McCartney and the Beatles' work well enough to know that song, but still, it should have been, you know, in the dustbin of history, and now people realize what a great album it is. Coming Up was probably the first of his singles I remember hearing extemporaneously, you know, and loving. I probably heard the ones in the 70s, but they didn't register that strongly, but then Coming Up was like, whoa, yes. And that's the one they say Lennon heard and said, I got to get to work, I got to, you know, and it compelled him to And then, yes, Temporary Secretary, On The Way, great song. Waterfalls, and people have said that the sentiment and some of the lyrics were a lot like the TLC Waterfalls, and I believe that's true, but, you know, they did it it a different way and an excellent way as well. Front Parlor is an electro experiment, which sounds a lot like a song on my upcoming album, on Rec's upcoming album, which I'm calling Rhythm 77, named after the drum machine. That I used for it, which was a almost fifty year drum machine. Now fifty year old, uh, it sounds a lot like that. That kind of electro experimental, you know, sound to it. Frozen Jap couldn't be more nineteen eighties, even though it, it was released in nineteen eighty. It's another instrumental, but man, let's like I said, so much music after that would sound like this boogie music or yeah, boogie music. Rockabilly revival predictor to me because Rockabilly came back huge in the 1980s with uh, Stray Cats and all that stuff. And sounds a lot like Adam Ant's Goody Two Shoes, which was two years after that. So pretty interesting, right? Again, kind of predicting what was coming. Darkroom, electro-funk ambient. Just look this album up. You know, and then Lennon dies, and uh, he takes a break. He's trying to figure out what to do with Wings, decides they need to break up. But out of that comes a couple of albums worth of material. Not all of the material, but some of it. First, Tug of War in 1982, which was the first solo album of McCartney's not without the word McCartney in the name. You know, significant because he's embracing the fact that I'm a solo dude now. You know, And it was the first of three full-on George Martin collaborations. George Martin produced this and another really strong album and really kind of a comeback at the time because he hadn't had a big album since, uh, was it Venus and Mars or the one after that, I guess? Whatever that one was. Yeah, uh, be a Wings Over, Wings something. Wow, boy, I do not remember things. Wings at the Speed of Sound was the last big album hit and then he had, again, some good albums and one that was critically acclaimed later. But the hit didn't come until 82 again. So a pretty long stretch there, not having a, a big hit album. And uh, this was him saying, I'm leaving the 1970s behind. And it's not just song, 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 song. There's still ex- exploration, experimentation there. And that's something he'd always do, like I said. But he was really like, I'm embracing the 80s, whatever that may be. Uh, opening song tug of war again it's better than give ireland back to the irish but still kind of treacly protest songs that he's done not been my favorite take it away again loved it then love that song 1982 what an amazing single uh I, i like the feel to it uh what's that you're doing with stevie wonder it's just funky it's funky and cool. It's I forgot how good this was. Here today, just a beautiful tribute to John. Wanderlust, beautiful, beautiful song. Dress Me Up as a Robber, really like. And then Ebony and Ivory with Stevie Wonder. Classic 1980s duet. So many classic duets in the 1980s. If any of you knew Saturday Night Live from the time, uh, Joe Piscopo and Eddie Murphy did a skit where Eddie Murphy was Stevie Wonder and Joe Piscopo was Frank Sinatra. And they parodied this song. And I'm not going to spoil it for you. Look it up. It's pretty funny. The following year, uh, non-album, no, actually somebody else's album, single uh, from Thriller. He sang On The Girl Is Mine, co-written. Again, more classic 80s duet stuff. And not the last time they would work together, Michael Jackson. Same year, Pipes of Peace. Uh, stronger album than remembered. It wasn't super well received. It, it, to me, was really good Uh, listening. As an album, I think overall it's a little too cutesy, but still very strong. Like Pipes of Pete's, Say, Say, Say. Mm. That will come back later in this episode towards the end. But again, another great duet from the 80s. I love The Other Me. I love so, so bad. Nice 80s R&B pop. But it shows the divide that he's had throughout his career where sometimes, not always, he thinks that Pop music needs to have, quote-unquote, pop lyrics, like simplistic lyrics. Not necessarily true, and he's certainly not done that most of the time, but sometimes, yes. And that's it for that album as far as songs that I really, really like. He did a song, another song with Michael Jackson, The Man. Um, interesting song, but yeah. And then comes the following year, Give My Regards to Broad Street. It was the soundtrack to the movie, that he, I think, wrote and produced and starred in and all that. I have to say this. I loved his singles in the 1980s. I didn't love a lot of the albums that he put out in the 1980s until one, which I'll get to later on. I think this was his period where he wasn't sure what to do with everything, didn't know what direction to go, and it was maybe feeling the pressure of, am I still relevant? Can I still have hits? And maybe not. Maybe I'm reading into all this. Who the hell knows? I haven't interviewed him. I I think I will someday. I don't know. Maybe not. It's mostly a retrospective of old tunes from uh, Beatles and Wings and, and all of that. I never saw the movie, but I want to, even though it's not supposed to be good. I'm very curious. And also because at the time, I thought maybe he was referring to Broad Street in Philly, and he wasn't. It's in London but there's a broad streets the main drag one of the main drags in Philly uh and weird tidbit there was a video game of this movie where there was a song that was missing which i think was the plot of the movie it was in search of the song and that you have to go find it i really need to get my hands on this video game to see how weird it is uh, no more lonely nights was just a great single. David Gilmour played on it, by the way, and that's why I mean, like, I just like the singles better than the albums. Uh, Not such a bad boy, I believe, is original to this. Good, he did a newer version of so bad. Uh, no values and good night princess was an instrumental, uh, other than the vo at the beginning. So those were where I believe the originals on this. All the rest were covers. Non-album single, uh, we all stand together, was from the film Rupert and the Frog uh, song. It's an animated film. And then he also contributed vocals to Do They Know It's Christmas for Band-Aid. So that was his uh, end of 84. Uh, a non-album single in 85 was the theme song to Spies Like Us, which is a movie I saw and remember enjoying, Chevy Chase, Dan Acro, but I don't remember the tune that well. I sort of do, but not that well. 1986, pressed to play. I don't recall this coming out when it came out. It's more interesting than I thought, but again... I don't love this production era, and it wasn't anywhere near his strongest albums. It's a mishmash, which he's done eclectic albums throughout his career, and some have just been incredibly exploratory and cohesive, and some just feel like threw stuff together, and that's this one. But there's some damn cool experimentation hidden in here. Uh, song I, songs I like, talk more talk, is weird in good ways, and '80s. A cliche kind of sound but in a good way as well it's for i don't know why i say that you have to listen to it talk more talk press is an interesting single it's an interesting single i would say it's amazing and that's pretty much it for that album and then he released the uh was it back in, in, again in the ussr whatever, whatever that, that translates in 1988 that was only a soviet release but it was his first really second focus on cover tunes Maybe third, if you count Wings Over America. Uh, Second, if you say Give My Regards to Broad Street, was the first true retrospective. And these were live studio recordings of classic rock songs and other stuff. Uh, I don't have it, never listened to it, you know. But then he realizes, well, uh, I need to kick in the ass. I'm going to buckle down, find a partner, which was Elvis Costello. Worked uh, in some ways, didn't work in many others, and create an album called Flowers in the Dirt, which I think I have on cassette. Huge comeback. I loved this album when it came out. It was when I started following McCartney as a solo artist. This was the album that kicked that off for me, like really following uh i uh he also did collaborated uh with costello on uh spike that album which i love and also have a cassette that song veronica which i did a cover of uh live cover of a couple of years ago uh love that song and the ones he did it's some alvis costello my brave face absolutely loved this and it was his highest charting single uh from that point until 2015 so the last time he had a few other singles that charted in between but it was the highest high point for several 30 years is that yeah almost 30 uh whatever that is and that was Costello collaboration you want her Too," we got married which is apparently a collaboration with David Foster didn't know that but I like I like that song a lot and I love put it there it's so old school McCartney figure of eight another good single this one very good song that day is done as a gospel feel uh, motor of love also a very good song and even though this has an 80s production tinge to it this album i still think it's an incredibly strong and worthy album and probably ranks in my top five i would say of of his best i didn't list my tops here you'll have to go back and listen read the transcript if anybody makes one a couple years later he's like oh, i need i now i've reestablished that i can make hits i'm gonna go ahead and do something different liverpool oratorio 1991 I don't I think I may have heard some of it way 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 back, but I never listened to all of it and I really would like to because I do have more than a passing interest in classical music, and contemporary classical music gets kind of a short shrift, you know, from a lot of classical listeners as do a lot of contemporary music in general from older listeners uh was really well received. In 93 he releases off the ground which to me it was like he was seemingly past his commercial prime he was getting into that kind of elder statesman I'm still you know kicking ass but not necessarily at the top of the charts but still charted and I'm really glad that the 80s production was mostly left behind early 90s still had some 80s production values to them and you 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 know would know that happens There's always a carryover from one decade to the next. But I remember enjoying the album. I liked the song Looking for Changes. Hope of Deliverance, not bad. But it made me feel like he was finally doing kind of like older person music. Now, he would reverse that in many ways as he went on. And, you know, screw me for saying that. But that was one of those kind of like... um, the the hits from genesis at the time or peter gabriel at the time and, and even sting like oh, okay you're you're doing you know more mature music but and somewhat times it works, sometimes it doesn't he has another collaboration there with elvis costello mistress in may which i like biker like an icon i just like saying that biker like an icon peace in the neighborhood golden earth girl very throwbacky and those are the ones i like there And then you get 93, where he's like, no, I'm not satisfied with just doing pop and rock and and classical. I'm going to do experimental, kind of sound collage-y, kind of uh, electro electro things. Strawberries, Oceans, Ships, Forests in 1993 was the first release by the fireman, which was him and youth collaborating. And that's from the Penny Lane, the fireman rushes in, pouring rain it was mysterious at the time they didn't they didn't say tell anybody who they were and it was samples mixed from older recordings i think ram and something else uh, you can look it up uh, it but it's six tracks but it's kind of the same song with variations to it and very interesting and kind of worth putting on in the background and when you're like when you realized whenever you did that this is mccartney with somebody else you're like oh, he is not content to just retread what he's been doing which brings me to this and this to me one of his best flaming pie it established i think to the world that he wasn't going anywhere that he wasn't going to just say well i have my run all done you know 60s, 70s 80s good night i'll just kind of do some some songs that i like i'm i'm not going to you know it's like what james taylor did in the late 90s it, it was another comeback and and i i mean how many comebacks so i guess Ban on the Run, Tug of War, uh, Flowers in the Dirt, and then this one. Every few years, it's, you know, at least to this point. He, to me, it was the beginning of his mature phase, but not in a way that was kind of complacent and resigned. He was just not trying to reinvent. He was just being who he is the most with the mix of old and new and, and other things. He avoids being treacly and too uh, too maudlin and sentimental, in ways that I don't know, he he you he hadn't avoided doing that for a really long time. I don't think I can pick favorites, because I believe this is my favorite solo album of his is Flaming Pie. Probably put it at the top. I would say it's better than Ram. I would say it's better than Ram. Quote that. I think Flaming Pie is better than Ram. There's so many beautiful songs, just like heartfelt beautiful songs like Calico Skies and Little Willow. But I also love the song we were singing, The World Tonight, Some days, Young Boy, Flaming Pie, Heaven on a Sunday, uh, used to be bad with Steve Miller. He worked, I think, on Steve Miller's album as well at the time. Souvenir, Beautiful Night, Great Day, early 70s song that he never recorded, finally put it together. He said it's something they sang at home, and it's such a throwback. I, I absolutely love that song, Great Day, and it makes you feel good when you listen to it. Then the following year, he puts out another classical album, nineteen ninety-eight, Standing Stone. It was the first album he recorded on a Daw D A W. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard it, but I'd like to again. And then the same year, another Fireman album, Rushes, uh, again. And that was the from the Fireman Rushes, and you know, uh, but this time it wasn't old samples. It was well, we did that. Let's do something kind of ambient electro. Not not as not as dancy as the first Fireman album, but it's more varied than the first one. And then you got an album, uh, I believe, is the first album that he released uh, after uh, Linda died, which is Run Devil Run. And I didn't buy it because it's mostly covers, and I you know felt at the time I didn't need it. I have certainly heard it since then. This covers album is infinitely better than John Lennon's rock and roll. Partly because of the production values, but partly because he lays into these songs like he owns them and isn't shy. But of course, he was older at the time than Lennon was and blah, blah, blah. There's so many other reasons. And there were some good songs on the Lennon album too. Uh, There's also three originals on Run Devil Run. This is 99. I, I wish there were more originals because Run Devil Run and What It Is, which is also the name of a song of mine, unlike this one, Uh, but came out the following year. I I don't know if it was inspired by that title or not. I don't think so. I think it was inspired by slang. Uh, Those are great. And even Try Not to Cry, the original, also very good. Uh, Wish there were more originals there. Again, 99, Working Classical. Another third classical uh, album. Never heard it. It was well-received. I'd like to. Which brings me to this. The first time I really was fully aware of McCartney's non-McCartney work, non-Wings work, Liverpool Sound Collage. Credited to many people, including Super Furry Animals, Youth, and The Beatles. It's electronic. It is a collage, like it says. It uses Beatles samples in a way that, to me, uh, was the precursor to Danger Mouse's Grey album a couple of years later. And this is my fave of his electronic albums. This is my favorite um, McCartney non whatever McCartney McCartney electronic album and free now, if you don't know where to start, look up Liverpool sound collage free now. listen to that. you I think you'll see why it's such a good album. uh Driving Rain was his next solo album, two thousand one extremely strong and another album like Flaming Pie that I remember having not even listened to it in many, many years and again not at all forced. Listenable from beginning to end. Uh, I all the tracks. I won't even pick. I love. I love all of the tracks, and it's nicely varied as usual. But it's more cohesive, like I had mentioned, than a lot of his albums from the, especially from the 1980s. He lets it go in many different places, but it's it sticks together. Like riding and in, riding into Jaipur and rinse the rain jobs. Uh Again, now freedom. Yeah, again, not a great protest song. I'm glad he did it. Whatever you know, 9/11, but still. Uh, not his, not his strength. Now, okay, another electronic album, but under a different name called Twin Freaks 2005 with a, a guy who names himself Freelance Hellraiser, and it's another remix mashup thing, which was such a popular subgenre in the late 90s and early 2000s, and I loved it at the time as well. Uh it was the first time I listened to it was recently, and I really like it, especially rinse the raindrops, live and let die, temporary secretary and coming up, so as you hear, these are old songs you know from McCartney wings, whatever uh and the the remixes of them electronic remixes really well done, really, really well done, which brings me to the next one, chaos and creation in the backyard. Is that what this one is and it has one of those things, I forget the name of it where he wrote his name, Paul McCartney, here. It, sorry for those of you just listening, but look up the um, his name from 2005, uh, Casting Raiders in the Backyard. When you turn it upside down, it's the exact same thing. I then spent, and I have spent years trying to come up with those. I, I wish I could remember. There's a term that says, if you write something and then flip it. And it's exactly the same both ways. It, it, I love that. I just think it's kind of uh, mystical in another way. This album was uh, produced by uh, Nigel Goderich, who worked with Beck and Radiohead. It is another great album and another one I remember super well. And it's strong all the way through. I love the songs. Fine line. How kind of you. Jenny Wren. Oh my God. Friends to go. English tea. A certain softness. Riding to Vanity Fair. Freaking love. And anyway. Are my favorites. And then in 06. He did the fourth classical album. uh, Eke Meum," Latin. Again. Haven't heard it. Would like to. I think one day I'll just put on all of his classical stuff. You know. Just kind of let that run. Listen. The last solo album under his name that I bought because i stopped buying cds a few years later and this was a big stretch for him to not release a solo album is memory almost full which people have said is a i don't know anagram of something about linda whatever and he said that in retrospect he didn't know it he said it was something that would pop up on his phone at the time whatever 2007 again i remember this album super well and and you would think this was sort of the last album that was in that Flaming Pie mode. It's transitional album to me because it was like Flaming Pie, Driving Rain, Chaos and Creation, had that kind of reinvigorated career, you know, simple thing. But then he also added some sounds from the 2000s some electronic uh crossover sounds so the stuff he had been doing you know under other names was starting to trickle into his solo work which was really cool and there's more ambient stuff here i love the songs ever present past see your shun's see your sunshine sure that's a tongue twister mr bellamy which is sort of like a temporary secretary song gratitude excellent freaking song vintage clothes This is where the Electro crosses over, and I freaking love this. That Was Me, excellent. House of Wax, excellent. Uh, Nod Your Head is sort of a live and let die kind of thing. Really interesting, really worth listening to. And then the last CD that I own of anything that he released under any name is, is this one, Electric Arguments, by, again, The Fireman. I think it's the last Fireman album they've released so far. Uh, and it's, what's interesting about this one is, okay, they had done the samples, they had done the ambient techno, and then they were like, well, let, we did that, let's do something else. Let's do real songs with vocals and lyrics, but still with a lot of electronic elements. So you have uh, songs that I really like, Two Magpies, Sing the Changes, which to me is just a, a great single that was never released as a single. Listen to Sing the Changes and you'll understand why. Traveling Light, Is This Love, Lovers in a Dream, excellent dance tune, Uh, Universal Here, Everlasting Now, also really like. Then, in 2011, he released uh, his last classical thing so far, uh, Ocean's Kingdom, which was uh, the music for a ballet of the same name. Again, haven't heard it. I'll put that in the collection, the playlist, and listen to all of them. Uh, 2012, Kisses on the Bottom, Jazz, a couple of originals in that same vein, My Valentine and Only in Our Hearts, My Valentine, really great single. The reason why I listened to and enjoyed this, and again, this was post when I was buying CDs, so I don't own it in that way, was it's more tasteful than what a lot of artists have done with the jazz songbook, with the Great American Songbook, and and he throws an original in there to you know that's just as good as any of the others. To say yeah, that's me. It's what I do. Uh, he doesn't try to imitate the jazz singers. He also doesn't try to so reinvent these songs that they lose the thread and connection to what they were. He's just him doing these songs and with amazing arrangements, uh, worth listening to if you like that kind of music. Which brings me to an album that I was so glad he put out in 2013 called New. It was the longest stretch that he had gone releasing a full album of original material from 07 to 2013. Six years, which isn't that long for a lot of artists, but for him, very long. For Prince, it would have been very long. Uh, Yeah, longest wait. I loved the direction that this took. It was him saying, all right, I did my, you know, middle late period from 97 to 07. I, you know, alluded to where I was headed on the 07 album and now I'm going to go full in. And he had not just Giles Martin but Mark Ronson and others co-producing this. Um, Paul Epworth is is another one Ethan Jones and it is electro power pop it is electro power pop does that ring a bell it's what Rec does electro pop. this is this is mccartney's only full proper electro power pop album and you know here's a guy at the age of 71 no one has any right to be that not just that damn good at that age a lot of people are that damn good at that age or at any age but to be that good to have that many surprises and to be that contemporary it's it's It may be, I don't know if it's top five, but it's definitely top seven or eight for me of McCartney albums. Do Not Overlook New from 2013. It's way better than you could imagine it being. And I think it led to, in a lot of ways, his collaboration a couple of years later with uh, Kanye and Rihanna, which I'll get to. Songs I Really Like, Save Us, On My Way to Work, Queenie Eye, Early Days, New, Appreciate that that more electro in there uh crossover just just that experimental feel everybody out there i can bet looking at her uh road is a very nice ambient and scared which is a hidden track which was a piano thing like billy joel's lullaby which i just really loved as well some non album singles like i said 2014 2015 only one 4 or 5 seconds and all day 4 or 5 seconds uh with uh, and i think only one maybe with kanye and rihanna four or five seconds is this was the highest charting u.s single that mccartney had or had anything to do with since that one i mentioned in the 1980s it it topped out at number four but because of the the high profile collaborations he did only one Topped out at 35. All day, topped out at 15. So here he has three charted top 40 singles in his mid-70s. Sure, of course. Who else could do it? And then he puts out uh, one of his, and this was also kind of a wait, 2013, 2018 for a full album, Egypt Station. Again, one of my probably top seven favorites. And people, I think, critics were rightfully amazed at, oh my God, then they like this better than new and i think sometimes i do i don't depends on my mood it's it's to me the start of his i don't know when i'm going to die but i'm going to keep doing this and kicking ass period uh, really the like the that phase 5 whatever you want to say i didn't really break down phases like i like to because it's just so overwhelming to go over all of this uh it, you know it's the first time though you hear his voice being older to me on record i I saw him the year before in concert and i heard a little bit of tiredness in the voice but if he's still able to sing like maybe i'm amazing the original key who's to say right but this is the first time that he laid down vocals that to me sounded you know more like i'm i'm in my late 70s now dude what do you expect or mid 70s and yet, oh, I in some ways like this album better than his more recent album, um, Egypt Station, incredible. And the kind of uh, lyric videos that he made with this are really, really cool. I don't know. Uh, come on to me. Love it. Happy with you. Fuh you. Uh, with McCartney and Ryan or I mean, this is a real contemporary single. I, I'm surprised it didn't chart, and yet not that surprised. But. I love this song and I was like, if at, 20, if at the age of 70, whatever, 6, 75, 76, you can put out a song that sounds like anything else that's on the radio and it's not just uh, an imitation but it's good, you're a genius. And it's something that I prefer to do at any age that I've done music. I don't try to say, well, my best period was X. I'm going to do that. Or I'm good at only this. I'm going to do that. And he's never done that either. The best song in the album, I think, is Domino's. Uh, I think so. Back in Brazil has 8-bit kind of Super Mario sounds, really cool. He's never really used sounds like that until now, which is, again, shows he never rested at just doing the same thing over and over for any for any long period, despite Repeated Warnings, also a great song. Non-album single, 2019, Get Enough. Again, another great single, and in fact, to me, probably, I may not as fun, but better than Fuh You and better than Come On To Me Get Enough, you got to listen to just as a single on its own merit and forget that he's in his late 70s when he did it. Home Tonight and In a Hurry, also Good Songs, which brings me to the more, not the most recent, but the more recent album, McCartney 3, from where I got the graphic. 2020, again, uh, critics absolutely went head over heels for this. Really introspective album, of course, is all his kind of uh McCartney named albums have been. Uh again, you you his voice has never sounded so tired in a lot of ways, but he leans into it enough for it for the personal element to shine through. And it is more than a worthy follow up to McCartney and McCartney 2. Uh, like I said, I like The Egypt Station better, but this was just amazingly good and it grows on you the more you listen to it. I think Long tailed Winter Bird, Find My Way, Deep Deep Feeling, really fun song. Sliding the Kiss of Venus, cute fun song, and Deep Down are my favorites. Uh, Winter Bird and When Winter Comes also a very good song. The following year, he re- released McCartney Three Imagine, which was collaboration uh, artists again reimagining the songs from McCartney Three. Uh, I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna list all the songs because it's different artists. Find My Way with Beck. Loved the video. Wish the song had had gone a little further into Beck territory, but uh, so cool that he sang this kiss of venus dominic fike i never heard of the guy but when this came out i loved this song it's my favorite from mccartney three imagined the kiss of venus dominic fike version in some ways i like better even than mccartney's version and it was a top 40 hit in new zealand uh pretty boys featuring Krangbin. i like the mix of this a lot women and Vice saint vincent i like saint vincent again i wish it was more dynamic I, I think this was one of the more critically acclaimed on there, but it wasn't one of my favorites. Deep Down Blood Orange Remix was just such a tasteful remix. Really good. Seize the Day featuring Phoebe Bridgers. Really good. Sliden, EOB Remix. Super, super solid remix. Long-Tailed Winter Bird, Damon Albarn re- Remix. Uh, super ambient, super tasteful. Laboratory Lil with Josh um, uh uh-huh, Whatever of uh yeah you know who he is when winter comes anderson pack remix uh those were both good not my favorites and deep deep feeling 3d rdn remix super deep techno super deep deep techno and i really liked it and then the final thing so far but not the final ever because we know he's working on what he calls the final beatles songs uh from john lennon's old recordings whatever and they'll come out maybe end of this year maybe next year but the final thing he's released so far was a remix by Kaigo of Say Say Say, his and Michael Jackson's song. Really great remix and also charted in New Zealand. So, as I said, in one way or another, McCartney, new material, Kiss of Venus, whatever, remix, has charted in seven different decades. Frickin' A, Right. That's it. As far as his discography conclusions, I just keep wanting more. And, you know, we don't know how much time we have left. Has anyone produced music as consistently good from their teens to their 80s as McCartney? I don't think so. You can say, you know, Dylan in some ways, but he's someone who does not incorporate new sounds, although he always incorporates new ideas, and especially in his lyrics. I will probably see McCartney in concert again. I like that he's used collaborations not just to re-enter the charge, which is a smart thing to do. Gotta say, hey, Michael Jackson, you know, gonna kick my career up a notch or any of the people from McCartney 3 Imagined and all the things that he did in between collaborations, Elvis Costello. But he also used other collaborations to refresh what he was doing, to find new ideas. There's something he's just so, so freaking good at. And this is why... No matter the absolute quality of John Lennon's solo career and so much, uh, so much of it anyway and so much of Harrison's solo career and a decent portion of Ringo's career, nobody holds a candle to McCartney. And McCartney is somebody who has stood alongside greats like Billy Joel and Elton John as being an amazing solo artist. Finally, the song that I am featuring on this is a, the opening song from Rex EP Distance to Empty. And it's also on Rec Collection, the best of Rec 2007 to 2020. I prefer that you listen to that version, which is here at the end in the next 30 seconds, because I remixed it, I remastered it. And this is a song, Never Tell, that I named actually after a violent femme song, but I chose it because it, to me, is very similar to all of the things McCartney has done in his solo career. It combines traditional songwriting with electronica, it combines uh, rock with pop. It has some experimentation, electronic experimentation in other ways, and sonic experimentation. It has harmonies in the way. A lot, of, of course, is stuff that the melody line is very McCartney-esque in some ways. And it shows, to me, an influence of the post-Beatles Beatle world, which is going to be the next Beatles episode, by the way. Episode A is going to be about the the bands have been influenced and the music and genres that have been influenced by the beatles but please stick around and listen to never tell i think you'll really enjoy it and then find it on your playlists and, and streaming services and all that stuff are you a mccartney fan again i say this all the time but if you're not why'd you stick around for an hour and why not why aren't you i know there are many reasons why people are not uh mccartney solo work fans uh but if you are what era or eras of his do you prefer one or two or three or all of them or you know whatever did you stop listening to him after a certain point did you start at a point that was different from other people did do you think any of his solo work lives up to the Beatles work and do you think that matters I want to know your answers to all of these things because as always my objectives here are music conversation and connection thanks for hanging with me for yet another long episode of music's not a genre and I will talk to you next week